verse 18. I'd like to say it is a pleasure and a joy to have each and every one of you with us. We've got several guests with us today. Uh, I'm so thankful for Bridget and her husband. She's from uh, my work, and I'm, I'm thankful she's here. Uh, Fernando and his family, and you have a guest today. I don't, I don't know your name just yet, but it's wonderful to have you here. It's wonderful to have my mother-in-law with us today, amen, and all the others. And uh, I know you, this is your second time here. We say this when it's your second time here. First time you're a guest, second time you're as part of the family. So today you can take your shoes off. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Last week I told them they couldn't take their shoes off. That was completely a joke. I had some, I had some ladies come to me and say, Pastor, are we not allowed to take our shoes off in church? I said it was a completely a joke. Hallelujah. You feel free to, to worship how you desire. Amen. Praise God. Are you happy to be here this Resurrection Sunday? Praise God. I'm happy to be here and I'm excited to get into the Word of the Lord. It's, it is, uh, again, wonderful to have my friend Fernando and his family with us. God bless you guys. Always a joy to have them with us. And, uh, and, and yeah, oh, and uh, my, my friend here, praise God. How long has it been since I've seen you? Praise the Lord. It's so good to see you again, my friend. God bless you. And uh, we're, we're excited about what God's doing around here. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. Oh, but behold, <laughs> I am alive forevermore. The Bible tells us that once. See, in the Old Testament, they just kept having to sacrifice but my Bible says that one sacrifice, when he died just once, it was sufficient for all of our sins. So when he says, I am alive forevermore, he says, I'm not going back through that. Hallelujah, but I'm here to stay. Praise God. I've already died for your sins. I've already gone on the cross and I've already conquered the grave. Behold, we're not waiting for our salvation. Our salvation is already here. It's already come. Praise God. For He is alive forevermore. Amen. And this last point is where I'd like to draw a sermon title from and a focus today. And I have the keys. Everybody say keys. Of hell and of death. I have the keys. If we could, just put our Bibles down one more time. Go to the Lord in prayer. This morning, I want to preach to you on this topic, unlocked. Oh, praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Unlocked. How about we go to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God for what you've done in this house already, the, the wonderful presence and your spirit that I feel. I pray that, Lord, you would unlock our hearts today, that, Lord, you would allow us to be open to your word and to what your spirit is desiring to speak. I love you and I thank you, Lord God. Have your way today in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. 
I don't plan on talking long. I will like I would like to say uh, after service, it would be my honor, my family's honor, if you would hang out a little bit. Uh, little William, about two weeks ago, received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He is five years old. He's just about to be six, but he's five years old. God touched him, and you know, and I know there's going to be some thoughts, well, pastor's doing this and doing that and pushing. I'm not pushing him at all. If you see him in the prayer room, you know he goes in there by himself. He leaves by himself. He comes down to the altar by himself. He leaves by himself. He worships by himself. We're not making him do anything. When he sought the Holy Ghost, it was because he desired it. He came to us and said, Daddy, I want to get baptized. I said, well, listen, son, before you get baptized, you got to understand what baptism is about. Why do you want to get baptized? He got a little tear in his eye. He said, because I want to wash away my sins. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said, all right, let's baptize them. Praise God. So I don't always suggest baptizing small children unless they have a comprehension of what baptism is and what it means, that they have a comprehension that they have sinned, they are a sinner, and they need God to wash away their sins. But if you today can, as Romans 3.23 says, recognize that all have sinned and that you've got sin in your life and you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, calling upon Him by baptism, he too can wash away your sins, hallelujah, and take away all that you have done wrong. This morning I'd like to preach for just a minute on this topic, Unlocked. Uh, I don't believe it was a coincidence that we have an inspection here in our building tomorrow, and in that inspection we were required to put some things on the doors you can see our doors look just a little bit different. We had to put on those push bars, their panic bars, something the city asked us to do, and we were happy to oblige and, and uh, to put those in. Um, but, you know, it became quite a, a task figuring out, well, we can unlock it from the inside. How are we going to unlock it from the outside? Uh, and we're still kind of facing down this, uh, this task. Uh, these doors, they don't need to open from the outside, but the door over there, we have several members who park in the back to save room up front. So uh, they, uh, that door, we need to be accessible from the outside. So we have to find a way to put a special mechanism on it in order to have a, a, uh, uh, a knob to be able to open from the outside, uh, even though it is locked with the push bar. And it's become quite a task figuring out how can we make it the most efficient way in order to access the building. Praise the Lord. Access the building. And this morning, I don't have a very deep message for you. I would just like to remind you that we do have access to the kingdom of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Hallelujah. And though we know this, and, and I'm sure most of the people here today could recount the story of Jesus' crucifixion and His resurrection. But today, I'd like to really consider this this morning. That day, that day of the Lord, as the Bible calls it, the day of terror where Jesus Himself, the Messiah, the, the God manifested in the flesh is what the Bible called Him. God who came to this earth. Why? Because He so loved the world that He gave His only born Son. Hallelujah. He created a pathway out of His love for you and for me that His Son would come to the earth and die for our sins. Why would He need to die for our sins? Well, we already said it. The Bible, Romans says, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans also tells us that the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. In fact, it was not until sin came to the earth that physical death came to the earth. There certainly is a connection between sin and physical death. So uh, when it says that the wages of sin is death, what it's implying is that sin itself corrupts the human being to where they could not have access to the kingdom of God and the glory of God. Sin, in fact, locks the door and keeps us from accessing all that God desires for us. In fact, uh, again, Romans tells us that because of one man, sin entered into the earth and death upon all men. Of course, that is Adam referencing the story of Adam and Eve, when they ate of that fruit, their mind was unlocked, but in actuality they became bound to their flesh and temptation and sin and iniquity. And it caused them to be separated. From, is this all right here today? You, you hanging out with me for a minute? It calls them to be, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, to be separated from the presence of God. Before they ate of that fruit, they had free access to the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us they walked in the cool of the garden with the presence of the Lord. It was a common occurrence to walk and mingle with the presence of God in the garden. They could eat of all of the blessings of that garden. They had complete dominion in that garden. It was fully theirs. But when they sinned, it locked up the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that God had to remove them because that place was only prepared for the righteous and those who were like God. How could we stand in the presence of a holy God when we ourselves are not holy, when we ourselves are carnal and fleshly and sinful? So how could they remain in the Garden of Eden having access, full access to the presence of God when they were sinful? 
The Bible tells us that God placed angels at the entryway of the Garden of Eden and it locked it up to where they could not access it again. It would be a long, long time before the presence of the Lord was accessible once again to the children of Israel. It didn't happen in the Old Testament. They didn't have that free reign. The only occurrences where somebody could speak face to face was with God was when certain prophets and leaders would rise up like Moses. But the common man, the common woman did not have access. We see in the tabernacle of the Old Testament where only a few individuals had access to the most holy place. Some could stand around the tabernacle, but they could not go into the outer court. And those who could go into the outer court, even a few of, the, of them could actually go into the holy place, which was inside the temple or the tabernacle. And then once you go inside the tabernacle, it's an even smaller group. There was only one man who could go into the most holy place. All others were locked out. They did not have access to the presence and the Spirit of God. And here we are today worshiping and singing and feeling without any uh, hindrance the Spirit and the presence. Oh, I'm telling you this today, what we feel everybody from before Jesus Christ desired to feel what we feel today. They desired to hear the voice of God like we hear it today. Oh, come on, I wish somebody get with me today, somebody would recognize that the access that you have in the presence of the Lord, it was sought after. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us Abraham sought after it. Moses sought after it. Gideon sought after it. And here today we have full access into the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God. Praise God. Beforehand, you'd have to only have access through a priest or through a man of God. There are some churches today that like to give you that kind of a thought. You can only have forgiveness of sins if you confess to a man. You can only have a healing if you come to a man. You can only have a change in your life if you come to a man. I'm not denouncing that God uses men and women to bless other people. But I am telling you, you can have access to the presence of God by yourself. Hallelujah. God can give you revelation by yourself. God can speak to you by yourself. You don't need a man of God to be able to tell you everything in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. You come to me and you ask me, Pastor... I need some in-depth understanding, some revelation from the Spirit of God. What color car should I buy? <laughs> I'll tell you. I, well, first I'll tell you yellow, always yellow. But then I'll get realistic and I'll tell you, well, listen, that's not... You, you don't need me to come and tell you what color car to buy, right? Right? You don't need, need me. I'm not saying that I won't offer you some advice or, or give you my, my uh, opinion. I'll certainly give you my opinion. I'll pray with you. But at the end of the day, listen, we got to learn how to hear the voice of God for ourselves. Amen. we got to learn how to hear the voice of God for ourselves. 
Praise God. But the Bible tells us that it was locked up. The presence of God was locked up. The blessings of God was locked up. The miracles of God were locked up. Only certain individuals had access. But in the Old Testament, no one had full access to the presence of God and to the miraculous power of God. That's why when we get to the New Testament, things take a drastic change. That's why we get John 3.16. For God so loveth the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's when the narrative begins to change, where we begin to hear all over again and, and over and over again this idea about life, access to life, eternal life, everlasting life, spiritual life. Oh, praise God for spiritual life. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus begins to communicate it over and over again about life, everlasting life. And this idea, hallelujah, that, that life is the direction God wants to take us in. Let me tell you today, you may not be dead, but you may feel inside like some things are dead. Hallelujah, He's the God of the living. He's the God of the living, praise God. And what has been dead, God can bring back to life, amen. We see Him. He begins to step into a realm where He steps outside of the death of the Old Testament, the sacrifices of the Old Testament, he even walks in supernatural, resurrecting power. Praise God. He has a friend named Lazarus. Everybody say Lazarus. A friend named Lazarus who passes away. Before he does, God hears word that he's sick. But God, Jesus does not go to Lazarus. He waits and waits and waits. Some others may think that that was a cruel thing for him to do. But Jesus knew it was time for him to show his true power and what he had come to do on this earth. He could have just gone and performed the miracle, healed them. But Jesus says, my power is greater than that. I have access to a power that's beyond just Healing. Oh, praise the Lord. So he comes. Finally, Lazarus has been in the tomb for days. His sisters, Mary and Martha, they're just torn up about it. They say to Jesus, if you had been here, you could have healed him. Oh, but Jesus says, no worry, Martha. He shall live again. Oh, praise God. If I could give somebody a word from the Lord, let me give you this. It shall live again. That promise shall live again. Your walk with God shall live again. Your health shall live Oh, somebody who believes that. Would you... Listen, I feel some resistance. Would you stand to your feet right now and begin to rejoice in that and say, yes, Jesus, I believe it's going to live again. 
Yes, Lord. I believe it, Lord God. Lift up your voice right now and say, I believe it's going to live again. I believe it's going to live again. Jesus said this to her. Just stand for just a second. He says to her, listen, you don't need to worry about it. She said, oh, I know he'll live again in the afterlife. Isn't that what we do? We kick it down the road? Well, not today. Well, today's as any day, as good of a day as any. Today's as good of a day as any for you to get your healing, for you to get your blessing, for you to become alive again, for your children to come back to the Lord again. Today's as good a day as any. Jesus looks her square in the eye and he tells her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. John eleven twenty five. go ahead and put that up. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, they shall live again. Oh, I'm here to tell you, you're going to live again. Your miracle is going to live again. Your promise is going to live again. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and rejoice in that. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. He says, listen, I am the resurrection. You're not waiting for the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Oh, one day, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. One day, I'll no longer have sickness and pain. One day, I'll be in the presence of God. Listen, I I can't wait for that day. I'm going to tell you, I can't wait for that day. But I'm telling you, you don't have to wait for that day. He is the resurrection and the life. Today, He can wipe away the tears from your eyes. Today, He can heal your body and touch your mind. Today, He can renew you in the faith and put you back in the presence of God. Everybody shout today. How do I know he can do it today? It's because resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Oh, praise God. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You don't need to wait for a moment or a timeline. You just need to call on the person, Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. Praise God. He is the resurrection. Hallelujah. So when he knew he had to accomplish his goal, because even though he's the resurrection, he knew every person on the face of the earth because of sin had a debt to be paid. They had a debt to be paid. I can't pay off your debt. I'm too busy paying off my debt, right? We have people who come to church and they ask us for money and if we are able to, we'll bless them. So, listen, you come to church, I'll ask you for money. (laughs) I'd love to pay off your debts. I got to pay off my own debts, right? Hallelujah. And it's the same with sin. I can't pay off the debt of sin. We remember Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. The payment, the debt of sin. Every person has a debt of sin, and that's death. 
We're talking physically, but we're talking spiritually. Spiritually and in the presence of God. We have been locked out because of sin. Locked out. No longer have access because of sin. And I can't pay off your debt because I can only die once. Because I am not the resurrection and the life. Oh, but there was one. Praise God, there was one who was the resurrection and the life. He was able to pay off your sin and resurrect again. Oh, praise God. He was able to pay off your sin and resurrect again. If he needed to die a hundred times, he could do it. Why? Because he is resurrection. He is life. And if you want resurrection power, all you got to do is call on the name of Jesus. And you'll get that resurrection power and that life. Another reason is because the Bible says, if I, if I, let me, let me lay some groundwork. If I died I have to die for my sin because I've got sin. Therefore, I am indebted to sin. So I can't die for you. I can only die because of my sin. But what if there was a man who had no sin? Praise God, I feel the Holy Ghost. What if there was a man who had no sin? A man who was completely pure and perfect his entire life. It would mess up the whole structure. It would mess up the whole idea of sin. Because now this man who's going to have a physical death. If death is a repercussion of sin, he should not have died. But can I tell you? He didn't die because of his own sin. There's only one man in all of eternity who had the ability to pay off your debt. And it's because he did not have a debt of his own. So he died. And he allowed himself to be placed on that cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. And it was because Jesus died for your sin. To pay the debt of your sin. He went on that cross. He endured a horrible martyr crucifixion. They put nails in his hands and in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. Before they put him on that cross, they whipped his back 40, possibly more times. His back was ribboned, completely cut to shreds. Then they put him on that wooden cross, the splinters on that cross. Every time he put his back against it would pierce that open wound that came from the... the the whips and we've seen science has taught us that in that position you'd have to kneel down but you can't breathe in that position so he'd have to every once in a while pick himself up leveraging himself on the nails in his hands and in his feet just so that he could catch a breath the whole while scraping his back against that wooden cross 
I know this is gruesome today, but sometimes we got to remember what Jesus has done for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, well why? why? Why couldn't he just die? Why do you have to go through all that? Well, I believe it's because he wanted to do more than just forgive us of sins. He wanted to do so much more. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. Every marker, every open womb, it was a, a victory for you and me. Oh, praise God. Every open womb was a victory for you and me. And when he lifted up his voice and he shouted to the earth, it is finished. He gave up the ghost. We would think, well, wow, he did it. That's it. That's the end of the story. Why do we even need to continue to talk? He, he died on the cross for our sins. Hallelujah. Oh, but there's so much more to the story. So much more happened. Because yes, sacrifice was finished. But now he's about to walk in victory. The Bible tells us that he entered into the depth of the earth. He went to that Sheol, that place of eternal torment. He himself went there because every dead thing went there. He entered into that place which was the devil's dominion. The Bible says while he was there for three days, hallelujah, he calls torment for the demons. They were used to being there tormenting everybody else. But then all of a sudden somebody came that had this life about them. Hallelujah, that had this power and authority. The Bible says he led captives out of hell. That's why we see resurrection occurring in that moment. Hallelujah, I believe he took those in Abraham's bosom and placed them into a place of rest called hell heaven. We would call it heaven today. He set captives free. He actually went to hell and set the captives free. Praise God. And you're telling me he can't set you free today? You're Oh, hallelujah. You tell me it's too late. You still got breath in your body. He went down to the dead and set them free and led captives out. I'm telling you, it's not too late. And the Bible says while he was there, he stole something. He stole the keys of death and the grave. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He stole the keys of death and the grave. Why? Because it wasn't enough for him just to have dominion over sin. He wanted to unlock some things for you and for me. He wanted to unlock salvation. He wanted to unlock eternal life. He wanted to unlock redemption. So he went down to hell himself and took the keys from the devil's own 
own house. And he said, you're not in charge anymore as to who comes here. Now I'm in charge. You're not in charge as to who gets in hell. I'm in charge. Now I decide who dies and who lives. Now I decide who burns in a lake of fire and who goes to heaven. Now I decide because I've got the keys. Oh, come on, let's rejoice in that right now for a moment. I got the keys. Can you see them? Can you see them with the keys? And after three days, the greatest locking mechanism that they had in that day, a big, huge rock laid at the mouth of that tomb. But Jesus took the keys and he turned it in and he rolled that stone away. <laughs> Praise God. He rolled that stone. Let me tell you, he did more than just roll away a stone. He rolled away every sin when we called it. He's got the power to roll away every sickness, every dizzy. He's got, oh, praise God. He's got the power to roll away every bad uh, repercussion that comes from sin. He's got the power to roll away every bad reputation. Let me tell you something today. I don't know if you've caught this yet, but I believe that Jesus is powerful and he is is able and I hope that God somebody would leave this house knowing uh, that if all else fails uh, he's got the keys uh, he's got the power he's able to unlock uh, that which was unaccessible in the past he unlocked our salvation 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 let's go through this real quick for if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised, verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Hallelujah. Our forgiveness was dependent not just on the cross, but on the resurrection. Because if he did not rise again, he could not have brought the keys and unlocked salvation for every man and woman. Can we thank the Lord for that salvation? That he unlocked our salvation? Romans 4.25, and I'm almost finished. Romans 4.25, who was delivered for our offenses. He was delivered, placed on that cross because of our sins. But he was raised again for our justification. See, this is different. This is beyond just, God, I want you to forgive me. This is God making us righteous and making us holy. Can I tell you, God doesn't just want to get rid of your past sins. He wants to create in you a brand new person to where it becomes easier and easier to be right and to be holy and to live according to the word of God. This is what I'm promising to you. If you will live your life for him, he will unlock holiness for you. He'll unlock righteousness. He'll change the way you think. You'll no longer be conformed to this world, but you'll be 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He unlocked our holiness. He unlocked our righteousness. He, by being, uh, by raising again, he unlocked the spirit of God, which is ultimately the source of our holiness and righteousness. John seven thirty nine. But he, this spake he of the spirit, talking about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to label it. This spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. You can receive his spirit today. Amen. For then at that moment, Jesus was on the earth. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified or resurrected. He received a glorified body. It says it's not until he resurrects and he unlocks the outpouring of the Holy Ghost Oh, thank God that he unlocked the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If we could, let's stand today. This morning, if you've been in church for years and years, or you've been in church for two hours, he's unlocked forgiveness. All you got to do is call on that name, and he'll forgive you. He's unlocked his spirit. He's pouring out His Spirit. We're seeing it. If a five-year-old can receive the Spirit of God with the evidence of speaking in tongues, what can God do for you who have greater understanding of His Spirit and His will for your life? But let me also say He didn't stop there. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. It says this. We're going 19 through 23. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us her word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places it's because of the resurrection he was placed in this position verse 21 he was placed far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also with that which is to come. And look at this, verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Let me tell you, it's under his feet because he rose again and he unlocked it. He's got all dominion and power. That means whatsoever, isn't this what Jesus said? Whatsoever you ask in my name, it shall be done unto you. It's because he unlocked it. This morning, there's nothing keeping you from power. There's nothing keeping you from answered prayers. There's nothing keeping you from blessing. There's nothing keeping you from redemption. There's nothing keeping you from the Holy Ghost because he unlocked it. All we got to do is come down and call on the name of Jesus.
Oh, can you can we do that? The, around here, we just invite everybody to come down. We don't want anybody to feel weird or strange coming down to the altar. So we invite everybody to come down and take a minute to pray and to call on the name of Jesus. We'd like to invite you to come and just say, Jesus, I know you've unlocked it for me. I know you've done it in me. I know you're doing something in my life. Come on, can you bring those prayers that have not yet been answered and can you bring them to him and say, Jesus, I believe you're going to